Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome. Welcome to the show. Um, sorry for being so late today, but uh, thanks for joining us. Um, Russ, you had something to talk about. I do, but I can't find my... Uh... My open window here for okay. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. Hold on. Okay, no problem. Because if I don't find the open window, then Mike's going to scream at me. Okay, I found it. Okay. It didn't click over yet. That's weird. All right. So here's the um, today's dilemma. So let's we're going to talk about what you believe is the greatest drum work that you've ever seen live or mm. heard live. So you didn't have to be at that show. You could have been on that tour, but you know maybe they put out an album, and you, you know, and you said, you know what? Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. And so, I'll start it off. I know people thought it would probably be Carl Palmer, and it's not. Carl Palmer's great. He might be the best showman of them all, but I can't point out the one song where, hey, you know, Carl Palmer just killed it because he killed it on a lot of stuff. But Carl Palmer wasn't like to me like a precision drummer. He was like almost yeah. like. Van Halen of drummers where yeah, he true. did a little bit of everything and he was spectacular doing it and looking at him and ripping his shirt off and all that, <laughs> you know, that was his act. And yeah, was that was his thing. And um, a lot of drummers, a lot of drummers, um, like drummers I knew weren't like the greatest, craziest about him. They didn't think he was the best drummer out there for sure. Right. So the one I'm going to give is when um, for the three sides live album for, for Genesis, I saw that tour in Forest Hills. That was like their 30th anniversary tour. They played Supper's Ready. It was a big deal. Yeah. And for that tour, and I think it was only in the UK, of course, Michael probably know this, and then he'll you know either correct me or not. Um, but Bill Bruford played on it and played on Watcher of the Skies. Mm. And if you listen to that, it's unbelievable. Now, the record company yeah. clearly knew this because you could buy two versions of this album. You could buy the album version with a couple of previous un unreleased studio songs, which included Paper Late, yeah. or you could buy the version that had the additional live stuff, right? With Watcher in the Skies. And I'm almost willing to bet that would sell probably five to one over the, the studio extra studio stuff. Well, I bought both versions. Okay. One import, one, and the uh, see. I liked, I liked the, the the fourth side with evidence of autumn, open door, uh, me mm -hmm. and Virgil. Those are all great songs. Oh, but, oh, yeah. but the thing was, Russ Bruford only toured with Genesis in '76 on the side the tour that ended up being second the, the seconds out album, and that was a leftover from that. Oh, tour. You saw this? You that. saw that rest live? I did see that tour live. I didn't wow. see this performance. And now that I know it's even older, that makes it even better. But what Bruford did on the drums on this performance for, I want to say, 20, 25 minutes had to be grueling. Yeah, the, yeah. the I'm sure you've all, I'm sure you've both seen the concert movie, the Genesis concert movie that was 
that it, it, it used to be on USA Network. They used to play it like at midnight all the time. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think it was running in, in the theaters in the seventies as like a late, like a, a, before they did like Rocky Horror, they would run this as like a, a, a yeah. 45 minute pre. Oh, yeah. Let me stop you there, Mike. Cause you brought back a memory. We would go every Friday night and see one of these type movies. Cause a lot of bands did them. So song remains the same. Song remains the same that way. Yes. Song. Yeah. And yeah. I would be a little drunk. I would. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that was the that was the good old days of the Rocky Horror Show too. So right. Yeah. And and the it's funny because my my the when I told you about when we, when you were bringing up the subject was the what I what I always referred to as because the there's a, a track on the Genesis album Trick of the Tail which is the the finisher for most of the concerts was called Los Endos. Mm -hmm. uh, me and a friend would call this version Super Endos because it was both Collins and Bruford playing at the same time and synchronized and these two are two of the best drummers ever and being synchronized and collins and chester thompson did that as well but yeah. they played a lot together and i think chester thompson is a good drummer but not not at the level of Bruford. but them yeah. playing the passage pat the passages that they were doing at the speed that they were doing it and it being synchronized is just incredible yeah, um, that, that's really hard to do with drummers and it's not you know it's hard to get i mean the thing that so i saw i just saw um palmer recently with this asia tour right and, and he's, he's very old now obviously he's yeah and that's you know so it's not fair to put anything but the thing that always that always amazed me and i saw him with emerson lake and palmer too okay. once i saw um i also saw emerson lake and Powell once Powell was a pretty good oh, drummer he, too. Oh, he <laughs> Powell, really good yeah that was a good album i had that album yeah that was a good album um but um i always found that a little bit uh i don't it's so hard to so you can't really combine compare drummers to so, I mean, with one performance like yeah. one song yeah i mean there's incredible i mean any any i mean if i could ever see supper's ready live performed by any members of genesis i would be thrilled i mean that would be like yeah. a huge thing for me because that is my favorite song of all time and um i will get i'll give you the setup on this act so when i yeah. saw forest hills this was the first time they ever opened up forest hills for concerts always was just for tennis and it was hard to get tickets for. I was probably like 10th row on the floor and it was the summertime and it was a beautiful summer night. It yeah. really was. Oh um, man. See, that's amazing. I, I just, that would just, that would slay me. And I was, um, one of, you know, I was in this, I was, I, I was in the studio with, um, Jerry Murata, who's a drummer. Um, and a, he was a drummer for Peter Gabriel's, um, solo band for many, um, I guess for the first until for the first album, first two albums, maybe before my new cachet took, um, but, um, yeah, he and he was the drummer from Orleans, the famous band Orleans. Oh, Orleans, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he was. That band, and he was he was great. Jerry Murata is it turned into a really great producer and stuff like that. And while I was there, he, he actually was working with us, and Tony Levin was working with us as well. So that's where I got. Yeah, Tony Levin's a big name. Famous yeah. Tony Levin, um, Jerry Murata lunch at Applebee's, it's hilarious in um <laughs> in Woodstock, New York. I know, but uh, you know, we talked a lot about different kinds of drummers, and because Jerry was a drummer, and uh, you know, he was he was like. It's like there is just it depends what you are looking for out of a drummer you know like it really does i mean i mean my favorite drummers are drummers that really put down a better pocket than a lot of the guys you're talking about okay um you know because I, I i mean to me i mean but drums are their own instrument of course obviously but if yeah. you, if you sometimes you need you need to if you can go off on solos but still keep a pocket going that's really solid that's what i found sometimes with bruford and palmer is that they um they would lose the pocket of the song in their drum solos because they're just they're they're vamping off, you know, and that doesn't matter necessarily to some people. Some well, people that's don't care. Yeah. 
that's more okay. that's more a jazz influence because they're just riffing. They're just going they're going on and they're you know that's that may have been carved out in the song that they allow them that freedom to do that for a certain Yeah, yeah. And that and that is usually what happens, yeah, with especially with those guys when they do solos. I mean they're allowed to do I mean Neil Pert's an amazing drummer. Yeah. But it's like and not forget, you know, he's I'll give you one that my parents liked. That I remember they made sure I saw like on the Tonight Show, Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich. Yeah, yeah, Buddy Rich. I he mean, Paul McCartney. I mean, not, I mean, Ringo Starr was in a, Ringo Starr was a really influential drummer, even though a lot of people don't call him a good yeah. drummer. Well, I mean, but he was for what he did, the simplicity of what he did. Um, led. I mean, there are so many. All right. So who's and, better, Ringo Starr or Charlie Watts? Because Ringo, Ringo, Ringo is. Um, yeah, I would say so. Char Charlie Watts is known as the human metronome, and I'm sorry. I would say that you know you, you, you what you can't you can't discredit um, George Martin's influence on Ringo Starr, you know. So it's hard right. to really say like. That's fair. I mean, Charlie Watts didn't necessarily have that, and and but Martin really really got Ringo to do what he did. Um, Any anybody who listens to the medley on Abbey Road and the song "The End" with the with the drum at the end of it, if you're not if you're not banging along with Ringo on that one, you're not human because it's yeah, like, Lord, yeah. Lord Oberman has a great point. So I once saw a triple bill bill at Chase stadium. It was REM, Joan Jett and the police. Now we were stupid and we were drinking and playing Frisbee during REM. So we totally missed them. They weren't on for very long and we missed them. But Stuart Copeland, like on spirits in the material world yeah. is just spectacular. Like yeah. he really is. He's in my top ten drummers. Yeah. I, I'll I'll, I'll to, to stick with your your question. And I'll give you mine here. If you've ever seen and um, it's it's been out there for a long time. I think it was it was filmed in 1985. The 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 concert movie Bring on the Night. It was Sting's yeah. uh, first tour as a solo artist after the Police. Um, his band with a number of jazz performers, including Branford Marsalis, and his drummer was a guy named Omar Hakim from what? Yeah. There's a song called a police song called "I Burn for You," and the and the drum solo at the end of "I Burn for You" is so unbelievable. It's it's got to be one of my favorites. He is an incredible. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I mean, somebody. I, don't think on Helm, I mean, I didn't know the band's music well enough to be able to give you a good answer on that. Maybe Eck does. I don't. Um, I don't know that that well. I mean, one of the guys I've really really like is uh phil selway who's the drummer for radiohead oh yeah and um there's a really great youtube video if you watch uh phil selway and ringo star playing drums together on beatles songs um it's a youtube video it's really fun um i mean phil selway is, is is insane he's he's a really great drummer and um you know radiohead is is crazy good i mean yeah. they really are they, they, Keith moon right he was insane yeah. too i don't think keith moon's in the same vein as some of the other drummers were mentioning no just another one that you didn't know what he was going to do i don't even know if the band knew what he was going to yeah do. keith moon i mean is one of those guys who you know obviously died so young and it's hard to tell um but a lot of the, so a lot of his legendary stuff has grown beyond him I no, think. another good performance uh, at live aid um animal animal from the muppets i'll give you that one that's for sure that's a good one sorry yeah, at live aid power station was there but unfortunately robert palmer had quit so they went with Michael DeBars, but on drums was Tony Thompson. Yep. And when he was playing like Bang a Gong, this guy could play, man. He never gets. Oh yeah, no, no, no. There's, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of good drummers and really great drummers. And and the reality of it in music, when you're trying out a musician for your band, the hardest thing to find is a drummer who's good. Okay. And that is that is by far the most difficult thing. 
Um, and when you find a drummer that's good, you just you just stick with that drummer forever. <laughs> because I mean, drummers that if you have a drummer who you don't have to think about, you're set like that. But that is the backbone of everything, for sure. It's the engine, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's the engine, and it enables you as a musician to just float above the music and do your own thing as opposed to having to tie it down, you know, um, and lock it in like that. In, I mean, bass players and drummers, they have to lock it in together, but you know, when you get yeah. to play your instrument and stuff like that, if, if there's a solid thing underneath you, you're set, you can just go. And there's nothing like that versus having someone who's, uh, who's fluctuating underneath you. That's but just, how come, but how come all musicians pretend they could play the drums? Like the funniest thing that I always see are, <laughs> when guitar players yeah. or a singer or whatever, they'll get behind the drum set for a minute. And the drummer always looks like a little annoyed when they do that in a concert, but a lot of them do it. Well, playing drums is not that hard, but playing drums well is incredibly hard. So it's yeah. like one of those things that's really just like, I mean, a lot of people can play guitar and fake it. Well, um, you can fake drums if you're playing by yourself. So if you look at, watch somebody with a guitar just sitting there and playing by themselves, that's fine. But to actually play drums means playing drums with a band. And if you can play drums with a band, Gabriel, that's Gabriel, Gabriel played played drums before, like not to, like in concert. Every once in a while, he would like try. He would go behind the drums and play along. He was yeah, a yeah. drummer, and I know that obviously everybody knows Paul McCartney played drums when Ringo quit the Beatles for about three weeks. He played yeah. drums on uh, back in the USSR and. Um, Again, a bass player, you know, so bass players and, yeah. and drummers yeah, have the same sense. kind of mentality. They have the same that. kind of mentality for sure. I always <laughs> saw, I always saw like Squire and White. I always saw guys like that jamming together in, in a concert. Never really thought about it. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible skill and, 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 you know, there, but there's all different kinds of drummers. My, I mean, I, I, I know that we've, we've had a couple of drummers and, and there've been some phenomenal guys that play with us. So it's really, it's really, but it's really hard to find. At least we didn't say an air supply drummer or something. That's good. <laughs> no. Alex Van Halen, man. Although, you know, the, this is the thing that you would, you know, I mean, we toured with Richard Marks for a while and Richard Marks, I don't know who his drummer was. I don't know his name, but um, I mean, those guys who play in those bands like air supply and, and, and oh, they're amazing. I mean, just I they're I'm not going to say Air Supply is amazing at anything. They're incredible musicians. I mean, they, no, they no, do no. their, you might not like their music, but they, what they do, they do incredibly well. Sappy garbage music. But I will say this. I did see Richard Marks on tour because someone yeah. in my house wanted to see him. He is good. There's no question. There are some Richard Marks songs that yeah. are good. There's, he's good in concert. Like he is. The I, nicest guy in the world. Like he was he such seems a, like a good dude. He does. Such a good guy. That concert don't mean nothing. Yeah. We played at the, um, at the, uh, at the concert in the round on Long Island with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. with Richard Marks. Um, Westbury Music Fair. Westbury Music Fair is one of my favorite concerts we've ever done. Yeah. And uh, he was just, he was awesome. He was, he was awesome to us. And his wife was that, you know, the blonde girl who gets pregnant in, in Dirty Dancing. Yeah. She was there. Um, I mean, look, I've even seen America in concert, right? But I'm not going to call them great musicians. Again, the, the, but those guys, I mean. They're, they're fun. They yeah, no, fun. I played with them too. They, I'm not a really a big, I'm not really big into that kind of American um, Little River Band type stuff. It's not my not my cup of tea, but they're Australian. Yeah, there's different different things there for sure. What would be called yacht rock now? Yeah, it is what's oh, called yacht rock now. Yacht rock. My wife, suddenly, my wife suddenly is like heavy into country all of a sudden. Like she's listening to uh, Kenny, Ches Kenny Chesney all the time around here, uh, which is hard to deal with. Um, lock, but her, lock her away and make sure that you play lots of progressive. I'm going to tell you what's happening here, and this is what's happening with your wife. Yeah, I mean because I'm at a particular age now where I I, I know a lot of you know, women from my graduating class from high school who yep. didn't like country back then, yeah. but they like it now. And country is dominated by male singers. 
Yeah. They're in their forties, fifties. They like the male singer. That's what it is. It boils down to that. If you like, if you like, and the last thing, and we'll start yeah. talking hockey. If you like superior musicianship, you don't listen to country. You listen to bluegrass. Bluegrass. I think that that's totally unfair. I, I know. I think I think bluegrass, like you know, Allison Krauss and uh, and uh, Jerry, like Jerry Douglas, Jerry Douglas and Sarah. No, I mean they're great musicians too. But there are great. I mean, see, they're great musicians in everything. Okay, there's there's amazing country musicians. I mean, yeah, you listen to Taylor Swift's band. Taylor Swift's band's ridiculous. They're really good. I, I knew you would bring up the Taylor Swift <laughs> band. I almost was going to make a joke about that. You know how good they are. You know how hard it is to get into I the Taylor Swift band. You know, can, can you imagine? You know how much money they make, so you know how difficult that is. So you know how good those guys money. have to be. I don't. I don't care about money unless you're taking us for free. I'm not going. So I, I'll never know. No, but if you're a drummer and you're a studio drummer go, trying to go on tour, you, you, the competition to be in something like a, a band that's playing like the the amount of shows, okay, the amount I of money that Taylor Swift is incredible. So if you think of that competition alone, think about how good you have to be to get into that band. Yeah, but if you're okay, let's let's break this down. If you're like a middle-aged cigar, cigarette smoking fat drummer like the cheap trip guy, they're yeah. not hiring him even if he's the best guy because he doesn't have the look. They're going no, for the no, no, you have to have the look too, but you gotta also be good. There's a hundred billion people who want to be on this tour. I mean, it's not, you know, it's definitely not. Bardicus mentioned him. John Bottom was great. There's no question. I never got to see Led Zeppelin in concert, only what they did at Live Aid. I was going to get tickets at Nassau Coliseum. For the tour for in through the outdoor and then he died so i never had a chance to see them live i saw nirvana live when they okay. were when they were at philly um at, and the kyber, was a great drummer. at the kyber pass which is like a really small place in philly yeah so what was Grohl like then um, unbelievable i mean that and that was this was before nirvana hits so this was like oh this, this was, was like like during like bleach before yep. before smells yep. like okay. this is when you the art my art my art friend students who were in college like knew of nirvana and i didn't and they took me Okay. Like yeah, you gotta check this out, and I was I was like, what the hell is that? It was it was really blew me away. It blew me away, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't think the world is. It felt like a step really far away from what was happening, and it was. I mean, and 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 they completely, absolutely nailed it. I mean, they were they were unbelievable. So yeah, I mean that that that's true too. You have to. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of talented people out there, but people rip on country music because they don't like it. Um, no, I no, 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 no. Look, I went to college down south. I heard country music. It's a lot of steel guitar. Everybody's dog got run over. Everybody's got to pick up. Well, no, I agree. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the lyrics. Everybody's right. wife is having an affair with the. Uh, you know. I'm going to go one step further. Not only am I not a fan of the lyrics, some of them are the laziest, just most depressing lyrics you can find in music. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. No, I do. I'm not. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with the lyrics aspect of country music. I will never disagree with you there. I mean, there are some really good ones, obviously, but. Sure. Like we saw Tim McGraw a couple weeks ago, and you know, I think he's his band was incredible, and the songs were good songs. He obviously knows how to write a song, but at the same time, the lyrics were just. Can like you even name a song? I know the country. <laughs> the lyrics were terrible. I mean, and and I mean, I I know them. I don't know what they're called. No, but, no, no, but you know what I mean. But that's okay. well, no, that was that was the joke of the concert. My wife and I, we were sitting there. We were, we didn't we were given the tickets by friends of ours who couldn't go. So we're sitting in the second row, like right in front of him, and we're. It was the last second thing. We're watching it, and the right. joke between the whole thing is we knew like the one song um, that everybody knows from Tim McGraw, but you would know it. It's like I think it was like a Monday Night Football song for a okay. while. And then, but then you're sitting there, and our joke was to hear. We heard the first chorus, the first time we heard the chorus, and then could we learn that chorus like <laughs> word for word by the end of the song? Which usually you could, like right. you know, you could find a way because it was obvious. There were so, so obvious lyrics, obvious rhymes, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot there. But but musicianship as far as country music goes, anything anywhere any any place where there's a lot of anything, there's talent. That's that's what I want. There's a lot of there's a lot of country. Somebody hit a, a chord with me here because they brought up uh, Come Sail Away. Look, Styx does have some good drum stuff. They, um, with too much time on my hands, it it's well done. Poor guy died. I think it was John Panazzo because I think Chuck is yeah. his brother. Yep. I think it's that way or maybe the other way around. So, he was yeah. a good drummer, but he's nowhere near in the league that we're talking Yeah, and no, I saw Styx live several times. I was a big Styx fan as a kid. I saw I saw the Grand oh, Legion tour. I saw tour. a lot, yeah. I saw Grand Legion tour. I saw the Robo Mr. Oh. Roboto tour. Wow, that was the end. I saw of the eight, I saw the pieces of eight tour. And then, wow, so you're ahead of me, yeah. So, but I did see, I did, and I did see them like two years ago. Um, again, without I saw, Young. I saw them twice in the last. Oh, John Anderson this I, weekend, you know, was in Ocean City. Yeah, I know. I actually, I, we're in contact with his publicist. I may be able to get to go. We'll see. I was thinking about. It. I don't know if my wife could take another prog rock show so soon after. I think. I think. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking. I think I'm trying to a thousand hands. Is not very prog rockish at all. Now, no. we'll play half the half the set will be yes music, but half yeah. is off his new album, and that's not prog rock. Really, you better start talking hockey or they're gonna revolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is a really cool place. I saw the Hooters in that place, and it's been small. That's a really fun place to okay. see John Anderson. That sounds like a nightmare. But let's go. There's no, there's nowhere else, but there's not. <laughs> again, Ocean City's great. No, Ocean, Ocean City. City no, the Hooters. The Hooters are a nightmare. Let's. Oh, uh, those are great guys so too. Anyway, moving on. Here we go. <laughs> For those of you who keep track of the time, I'm sorry. Um, hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, July 25th, 2019. I'm Michael Lagello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund. And we have a trade to announce, a small trade, but a trade to announce. Um, yes. Mike? Between the Toronto Maple the ever busy Toronto Maple Leafs and the St. Louis Blues, these. moved Marner? No. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Marner has been traded. Right. No, they did not move Mitch Marner. No, uh, a one-for-one one defensive deal. Uh, Andreas Borgman going to St. Louis. Uh, Jordan Schmaltz going to uh, going to the uh, to the to the Leafs. Um, Schmaltz is a right-hand shot, former first-round pick. Um, I, I I mislooked at uh, Cap Central. I thought he was an RFA arbitration eligible RFA, but he's still under contract, seven hundred thousand dollars this year. Um, Borgman, uh, is a left-hand shot. So I think this is more the Leafs saying, okay, here's some depth on the right side. Um, maybe bottom pairing guy, I mean, a guy who could play in the league, at least not be a liability. Like some of the defensemen they have like Martin Marinson or Justin Hall, uh, who might, I don't think are NHL defensemen. Um, and they may play some of them early in the season because Travis Dermott is hurt. Right. Um, I think it's a pretty. I think it's a pretty fair, pretty even deal. They're both, you know, mid twenties. It's um, good to get some Schmaltz on the defensive end for the for the for the Leafs. I think it's a good thing. No, it's good. I mean, Schmalzer is is a fast puck transporting guy. The offense never came around, but he can he could play a little bit, and he played for Dave Haxtall. That is the the big key mm -hmm. here. Oh, so he's a North Dakota kid. He's a North Dakota guy. So mm -hmm. now you're you're hoping he and Haxtall really click again. Because if he does, maybe the offense does come back out. So this is a good low-risk move for them. By the way, in the chat room, the, the show has never clicked over. So if it, it, all of a sudden you start hearing it out of nowhere, I can't control it anymore. I've been waiting for like five minutes. And it's, funny, it's working for me. Um, people are following along with me in the chat room. No, no, it's working. What I'm saying is I always have to pause the show because Mike yeah. gets really bitchy about it when he hears his own voice, like even for a second. Yeah. And 
And so like it could click over any minute. Like it's just, <laughs> it hasn't done gotcha. that when I have to hit the pause. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's not a bet. I mean, anything, anything can help defensively with Toronto is a good idea, you know? Um, well, they're, they're bottom, they're bottom. I, I, it's funny. Cause I, I started a, a series of articles here, uh, you know, looking at some of the battles that will be taking place in training camp, like fourth line center and, and bottom pairing defense. And if you look at the bottom pairing of their defense before Travis Dermott comes back, it's a horror show. It's, you know, Justin Hall, Martin Marinson, Kevin Gravel, uh, a Ben Harper. I mean, it's not good. I mean, they're going to be playing their top four over 20 minutes a night for sure early on in the season because these guys, let's just say Babcock will not want them out that mu- that much. Yeah, they, there's no way. No, I agree. Now, he might like Schmaltz a little bit because there is a little bit of an edge to his play too. Right. Um, That's good. I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, last year when they needed they, – they basically sat Justin Hall for the entire year. He played five games. He was healthy yeah. the entire year. And I, I, I don't like that. I really – like if, if the guy makes the team, then he should get in there every once in a while. I, these taxi squad guys like Nick Batan who couldn't play because they couldn't send him down to the minors and he was never somebody they, – they, they kept him around because they didn't want to lose him on waivers. Who was the other defenseman a couple of years ago? Oh, uh, Frankie Corrado. Frankie Corrado, that poor guy. Yeah, well, and then that's paid, but you know he got he got paid. But the, the the thing was was that Lou Lamorello picked him up without con- consulting Mike Babcock, and Mike yeah. Babcock didn't want to play him, so right. he didn't play him, and that's that's what I mean. It's like you know that that there's got to be something. I, you know, you have a taxi squad there, and the Leafs probably won't have that because they'll be close to the cap, and they won't probably won't carry a lot of extra bodies. But if the guys on the twenty three man roster, use them. You can't. Well, I will tell you this. There's only a couple more years at max that Mike Babcock can get away with doing this without getting to the Stanley Cup and keeping his job. Because yep. I think Kyle Dubik will get tired of it. I do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the Sabres also made a signing. I saw this Evan Rodriguez. Yeah, no, Russ, the thing is I, I read the press release and I couldn't tell whether this was a settlement or if this was the arbitration award, but it was two million bucks. I think it's a sign. I don't think it's a sign. I don't think it's arbitration. I think they sign. I think the game. Yeah, I think they just sign. That's what I think. It, yeah. it was two million bucks for one year. That's a good sign. It is. He yeah. was effective last year. He and Eichel know each other. He. I don't know how much they actually played together, but just having him in the locker room is good for Eichel. Rodriguez is. You know what? I, I saw him play the PK last year, right? Mike, yeah. yeah, he but but at the end of the year, their center situation was so desperate that he was moved up and played basically second line center. And yeah, and he's not that. He's not that. I think he's a at best he's a three and maybe a four. But he's got good wheels. He's he's pretty he's pretty fast. Yeah, he's a, he was effective and yeah. in, in that limited role. And I think, but I'm a little taken aback by two million. I mean, he had twenty nine. I think it was twenty nine points. He had like nine goals and twenty assists. But yeah, for two million bucks for twenty nine points, I think most teams would pay pay for that production. Yeah, it's a one year deal, and I guess it's a prove it deal, and then they see what. Yeah, it's a one year deal. It's a solid for them. I mean, that's a solid one. No, that is. I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense for them to make that move. And, and um, you're going to pay two million bucks if it makes Jack Eichel happy too. Right. If it's a player that Jack Eichel likes, for sure, for sure, absolutely. That's a big um, that's a big part of it too. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, teams we think could not make the playoffs. Um, 
the teams mm-hmm. we think the teams we think that could fall out and the teams we think that could fall in based on an early return. Um, and uh, one sec, I got to take this call real quick. Right back. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Let's well, let's start. Let's start with the East because in the East, you had the top three in the Atlantic: Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had in the uh, Metro, you had the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Washington. The Wild mm-hmm. Cards both came out of the Metro, Columbus, mm-hmm. and Carolina. Um, right now, I think that the two Wild Card teams are. I, I don't. I don't think Columbus will be a Wild Card team based on the Exodus. I agree with you, and I don't think Carolina will be as well. Maybe unless they re-sign Justin Williams because I think he's an important part of their team. I think they've taken a step back too. In the East, though, it's like I mean I think that that's why I give the Rangers a chance to move up into the wild card. I I don't know if Jersey's improved enough, but I think it's the Rangers. I think it's Philadelphia. I think it's Florida and Montreal in the Atlantic. I think those four teams will be fighting for the two wild card spots. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I've talked about the Islanders extensively with fans and otherwise the Varlama is going to have to play 50 games well, not 50 because they have Grice. He's got to play 40-something 40, 40 games, maybe 42, 43 games to to make that happen. Because And and, I, and again, he, he's so erratic with his injuries that I don't know if it can because, if we again, if we remember last year, he was the reason Colorado was doing great. And then, of course – And then Grubauer uh, took over later in the year. Right. And so – that's all, you know, that's a, that's an issue the and where extra scoring is going to come from is an issue for the Islanders and to be honest, you know, even having Johnny Boychuk in there now, I know you could yeah. you know, guys like that, they're going to start to become an issue too. So, I think the Islanders are problematic. Honestly, if New Jersey gets average NHL goaltending, they will be in it. Now, I I said I said yeah. I Go think ahead. I think the top 3 in the Atlantic will stay the top three. Maybe Florida challenges one of them, but I think, um, you know, but I think the, the two outcard teams from last year, Columbus and Carolina are in deep trouble in terms of getting back in the playoffs. Yep. And I, I saw, I, I, you know, I, I think Florida, I think Montreal, I think the, the Island, uh, sorry, the, the Rangers and the Flyers all could challenge for those wild card spots. Maybe, you know, maybe Florida gets into the top three, and one of those three teams drops down. Probably either Boston or Toronto, but you know, depending on how how good Bobrovsky plays. But that, yeah. that's the way I see it going into the season. I, I want to bring up a point here. You know, yeah. with, with the Flyers, because Lord Oberman brought it up that they have three defensive coaches. That's not necessarily a good thing. No, like I I understand they want to have an emphasis on defense, and that's all well and good. But you can have too much of an emphasis on defense like a John Tortorella and take away from your offense. And, again, if you want to lose Jake Voracek, keep telling him to play defense, and you'll lose him quicker than anybody on that team as far as, you know, his his what terrific offensive ability he has. Yeah, I mean, they're really going to need somebody who's going to, like, is going to be able to help that offense go, and I don't know I don't know where that's going to come from. I mean, it should be, I guess, Vigneault, right? But I don't know. It, it should be, but, again, he's defense first, too. He does. He does yeah. like the great skating, puck moving aspect of offense, though. So that part will definitely be there. But again, if they're going to stress that everybody needs to be really responsible, 
I get it with Connecty. You want to crack down on a little? That's fine. But Voracek, nobody ever talks about cracking down on Voracek, right? It's a, They all talk about Connecty yeah. like, hey, Travis Connecty can't play like this anymore. Jake Voracek at times is worse than yeah. Travis Connecty when it comes to playing in his own end. But it's almost like they're afraid to bring it up because he's on such a long-term deal and makes so much money yeah. that they don't want to lose him because they know that Jake could go off the rails. Like, we all know that. Yeah, Voracek can be incredibly inconsistent. And, um, you know, I think Voracek more than anybody else does does need a new coaching change, though. I think that'll be interesting yeah. to see. If, if Voracek could have a rebound, you could see Voracek rebound. Like, I could see it this year, like having a Billy slight rebound. says, Russ Flyers winning the cup, good times ahead. I will bet you right now – you, I'm going to give you the, the odds of the Flyers winning the Cup. It's .000001. That is their chance for winning the Cup. Yeah, I don't think they're a Cup favorite at all. No, I think that, you know, I mean, I think I think that well, they they could be a playoff team. Sure, they, they have a chance. I mean, they were close to being a playoff team last year. They're, they're not that far out of being a playoff team, and they no, they played it, it, it. will so much will depend on goaltending, of course. You know, but that's, the that's games funny. in the Metro now, like Mike had pointed out. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a lot harder. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, the Islanders, Columbus, Carolina, are, all three of them are gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for them to make it. All three of them, you know, and, and they're, that, not, they're not all gonna make. It. I mean, I think, I think one of them will, and I, I think, I, I don't, I'm not well, sure. I think the two of them could, but I don't. I, I think, think Columbus. I just don't see how yeah. Columbus, even with Benstrom in there, how they're gonna have enough offense. They're gonna have to give Milano a chance. If they don't, yeah. I just don't know where their offense is gonna come from, and their goaltending now. We're gonna to have to wait and see on that. Like all of a sudden, we're talking about these teams. I mean, every every Russ, everything's gonna to have to go right for Columbus. Texier is gonna to have to like step up and, yeah. and pick up some of the goal scoring. Milano would have to come up. Uh, yeah, but they're more than just they were more than just Panarin last year on offense. No, I, I know that, but but you still have to replace those goals. You, yeah. you, do, you do, but you. I think I think they. I mean, this is a team that did, you know, eliminate the Lightning in four games. I mean, this is still. I think to, to say they're not going to make the playoffs. They eliminated themselves in four games. Well, they did, but I think to say they're not going to make the playoffs, I, st- I think they're – Hold on. Columbus punched them in the mouth, and they never responded because, like, the Lightning were just like, wow, we haven't dealt with this all year. We yeah. have, we're, we're, you know, we had this great offense. The minute they punched them in the mouth, that was it. It was over. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's possible. I mean, it, it's it's easy to sit there and say that Columbus is not going to make it losing those players. And it's, your, your chances are you'll be, you know, right. Because how many teams do lose uh, like a Vezina goalie and a top scorer and, and continue on the path? I mean, it wasn't like they made it by a ton of points last year. They just made the playoffs. So Columbus, Carolina, New Jersey all have question marks in goal. Yeah. And goaltending is, is, is everything for Columbus. But I think that if Columbus gets good goaltending, they're a playoff team because they, I, I think, think they think they have enough. Depth I, think, I think I think Corpusello can be good. I just don't know if he can be good for fifty to fifty-five games. That's what we don't know. That's the it, unknown. It's going to rely a lot on Elvis to be a to be a, a good backup coming over from Europe, and that's maybe too much to ask for. That's a lot to ask too. Like those are two. That's that's an iffy proposition right there. It is. So not not, not you know not only do you have to do you have questionable goaltending, you have to replace Duchesne, Dzingel, Panarin. In your lineup, it puts more weight on on uh, on Dubois, more weight on on uh, Boone Jenner, and uh, you know guys, and even guys well, like I mean, in Dubois and Atkinson, they have two legitimate players. I mean, they're, I really they're not legitimate, but there's more. Heck, the less weapons they have, the more the other teams will concentrate on those players. It'll be oh, yeah, yeah. But they also had a great AHL team. Remember, they had they have they have great players down there too. They are 
but but Torts is reluctant to use some of them, and that's another issue. He's going to have to be less reluctant. But there's and I know and I but there's also the thing of like when a team kind of what we saw with the Islanders last year, you know, when a team loses so much and everybody predicts them to fail. Mm-hmm. In the NHL, we tend to see that team not fail. And I'll predict I'll I'll predict them to fail again this year because and everybody will. But I think that you know. I mean, I think the Islanders, it's going to be much harder for the Islanders this year because now people are like, okay, the Islanders are a good team. And then they're not they're not sitting there and saying that they're going to be a disaster, where I think that works to the Columbus's advantage this year, um, where they'll have to sit back and say, everybody's like, oh, you lost Panarin and Brodsky. And don't be, I wouldn't be shocked if they just come out and suddenly do something really good. I'll read you my player notes, uh, although I just lost them there here a minute ago. Hold on. On um, Elvis Mazurkin's. Keep talking, Eck. I'll find. Yeah, no, I mean he's. I don't know. What I know are. they like him a lot. I know he's he's got a lot of uh, hoopla that surrounds him. He definitely seems like he's like a star quality type player. Um, people yeah, really- I mean, here, here's what I liked about him. He had really good puck tracking. He's feisty. He has a pushback in the crease, which will definitely serve him well in the NHL. Uh, he covers the post well. Actually, covers it really well. Uh, and he's and he's very he's very limber. Like he can make saves in full splits. So yeah. I feel like puck tracking is his big thing. And so that's a good thing. I didn't write anything about his glove hand. So I don't know how, if he has like an NHL glove hand, like, I don't know that. A lot of the stuff you're saying there sounds very Bobrovsky like, you know, like that is kind of yes, a lot of similarities to what Bobrovsky's well, strengths are. Well, yeah. did, did, you know, I wanted to, I would just wanted to mention this because of the article that, uh, I'm not sure if it was the athletic or where it came from, but uh, Bobrovsky came out. Oh, I think it was a actually. I think it was a Russian. Bobrovsky uh, translated it, I think, from something else. Yeah, where where basically Bobrovsky said there was never any chance I was going to sign a long term deal in Columbus. Which again, you know, okay, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I can I feel I, I I'm I can say this because I was saying it before they made all the deals. They should have. Traded him. There was no option, Mike. No, I mean, they really couldn't trade him. Like I, I don't blame him for that. Yeah, we told. I mean, we talked about some of that stuff that I heard from the inside of that stuff. And they, you want to put the blame on somebody? Put it on John Tortorella because he, he is the one that made made up Bobrovsky's mind that he wanted to leave because that fight that we all knew happened. That was the beginning. Yeah, that, of the end that, right there. That was sort of the end of the end, though. I think. I think oh, there right. was stuff going on before that. Okay. Um, but I think that that definitely that definitely did kick it into high gear. And it like, just gave Bobrovsky an excuse, you know, like his yeah. wish is what he needed. I mean, that's true. He wasn't going anywhere, and he wasn't accepting a trade to anywhere, and he wasn't giving them the he wasn't giving them even a list of teams to trade him to. It was a mess. I mean, it, it was just they were trying to they were trying to move him, and they couldn't, and he didn't give them any options to do it. But that's totally on his. If you're going to blame someone, blame Bobrovsky's agent. That's what I would say. That and that's fair. I will say this: Bobrovsky is a good guy, but this is now a couple of different clubs. That have had some issues with them, so yeah. he, he is quirky and and hard to deal with. We have to say that 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 does seem like it's a reality. Yeah, and and people have said you know his big thing has been how he's responded to pressure situations throughout his career. You know that right. has been his mo. Right. He did you know? better this year. He did better this year, but then you know, I mean, he got they got on a roll. I mean, it, the really really impressive thing about that about the Tampa Columbus series is if you remember how that thing started. In the first game of that series, Tampa rolled on Columbus, the three, three nothing early on, and that was like a. But then that Bobrovsky rebounded from that was pretty impressive. But um, I, I we also saw Bobrovsky in Philly, you know, afraid to play in playoff games and all kinds of things. So there's other stuff there too. Yeah. Um. You know. 
if if we want to swing to the west here, yeah. I don't see the wild cards coming out of the Pacific. I think they're all coming out of the Central. Um, I don't. Yeah, that's, even, that's been the common thing for the last few years here, but I don't know this time. Well, okay. I, I think that Calgary, uh, San Jose, those they're two locks in the West, and then you can say probably Vegas. Um, you know, do you think Vancouver has improved enough to challenge for one of those top three spots? I don't think Edmonton is. I don't. L.A. and Anaheim are in rebuilds. Yeah. Um. So is Vancouver, but they're Vancouver's talent. I, I will say this: even though Anaheim is in rebuild, yeah. if Gibson gets on a roll, it's possible they could they could hang around. And, and they have a good defense still. Yeah. Right. And you know, I mean, but. Perry's gone and Kessler's gone and guys like Sam Steele and Troy Terry are going to have to step up yeah, and rake Raquel and they still have gets left. Like they still have players. Yes. So a lot of them. So does LA. So does LA, but no, not like that though. I think not as much, not as much, but they still not have as much. I think Anaheim does have better players. Yeah. I think it does fall on Gibson a little bit, but now, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not willing to say they're completely out of it yet. I I need to now Calgary is an interesting one because again, yeah. that's one where the goaltending has to be solid. It does. Yeah, Calgary could fall out of it if they weren't careful, but they um I don't think St. Louis, I don't think San Jose is a guarantee at all. I would hardly say San Jose is a guarantee. Um, losing you know Pavelski is going to be a big deal um, to them. It is going to be a big deal. That in the locker room there'll be a little bit of a locker room. Yeah, it's going to be an issue, you know, and and that's. They're but not. They're not stepping up there. And then, but I'm. But I'm expect. I, okay. And maybe this is not a big deal. But I'm expecting them to sign both Thornton and Marlowe. So when they well, do, maybe they do. But that doesn't. You know. At least they, I think. But I think. I, mean, I, I think what Eck is trying to say, and what I've thought about with that team is, I don't want to say it's Eric Carlson's team because it's not. But he's a huge factor in that locker room. Now, yeah, it kind of is now. It's Logan Couture's team. Yeah, but Eric Carlson. Like Eric, Eric Carlson doesn't. If Eric Carlson gets hurt, they're in trouble. I mean, you right. know, a lot is going to depend on that, and so that does that does make it an interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, and I think uh, I, I think Arizona is going to be an issue. I think Arizona could be an issue. I really, I could see Arizona making a run for it. I, I think I have to be convinced. I, I mean, mean, I think that they are better than at least three teams in the division. You know, and maybe more. You know, so as it as it plays along, I think Arizona is going to be Arizona is Arizona is better than L.A. Maybe. Yeah, they're better than Anaheim. I'll they're, give that. All right, but yes. And, and I think I they're think, better than Vancouver. I think they're better than Anaheim. I don't know if they're better than Vancouver. I think they might be better than Edmonton, but I don't think they're better. They're not than better Edmonton. than Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Heck. It's absolutely absurd. Go ahead. It's not. The Edmonton is a joke. No, they really are a joke. They have the best player in the league, and they're not in the top twenty-five in the league. They're one. Now, of the hold on. There's there's a story brewing in in Calgary. Okay. Because David Riddich isn't yeah. signed yet, right? Correct. Yeah. That's an issue now because he was good for them, and they actually need him now. He's got a bit of leverage there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got Talbot, and they probably the number two would be Gillies if there's a holdout or an impasse. But I don't know. I mean, it's a question of whether he's going to be their number one or one A, like he was with Smith last year, or if they're going to go with Talbot and play Talbot a lot. I mean, 
I think Talbot will be better in Calgary because he actually has a defense in Calgary. Talbot's better if he plays a lot. He's got to play a lot. That's what's got to happen with him. And, you know, if he gets the time, then yes, you know, he'll, he'll be good. If he doesn't get a lot of time, he's not going to be the greatest. I think Mike Smith will be good in Edmonton, though. I think he'll be a good fit for them. I, think I don't help. think he kills them. I think he he helps them. What I was he helps their defense. Them. He helps the defense, you know, a lot. He helps the, you know, he's going to be, once they get used to playing with him, he's also just got that, you know, He's, he's got that connection with Tippett that they, they you know, that's a huge, it's very important to have a coach and goalie be in sync. Um, like him. He's a likable guy. Yeah. You know, and uh, here, here, here's the question I have. And I think I asked this to Russ. We, we never finished the debate. Who is finishing dead last in the central? Well, wait, before we do that, what I wanted to ask is what do we think the contract for Riddich is going to be? Because it's going to be, it has to be a little less than Bennington is it going to be like a two-year deal? Like, is he going to get three, yeah, three, three point two five for two? Yeah, that sounds so, about right. Because yeah. he's because he's an un, he's still an unproven commodity, Russ. Very much so. No, but yeah. they need him now. Like yeah, now, they need, they need out of there. They need him as a tandem with Talbot. Right. So, yeah. like, this is a key. Like, this doesn't get a lot of coverage, but this is a key thing. I don't want to say Branch or Living is doing a bad job because I think he's doing a good job. But the fact is. For the last couple of years, we could point directly to goaltending being a real issue on their season. Yeah. And well, now they don't have this guy signed yet. For all for all the plaudits that Ter Living gets for the for the uh, the deal with uh, Carolina getting yes. home and getting uh, Hannafin, he deserves to be beaten over the head for signing James Neal. And now making this deal where now you're paying six million dollars to a fourth liner in Milan Lucic, so you know that trade I don't understand at all from their perspective. I really don't. Well, I, I guess they they from, they from, must really dislike James Neal. That's all they, I can say. They, apparently, the, oh, they didn't use him in the playoffs. I go back to that. They benched him. So the, the, game. the observers in Calgary said that Neal for the second half of the year, I have to talk to Sean Vetter about this, but essentially the, 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 the feedback was Neil was their worst player for the second half of the year, almost every game. So I mean, is Milan Lucic going to go out there with glasses and tinfoil on his hands? Maybe. I don't know. He's not. Yeah, I know really. That's what, that's what they need him to do. Right. That's all he, that's all he can do. I mean, I think Lucic could very well get inspired to play again in, in Edmonton. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a J right. big G. I'm not a huge not James right. Neal fan. I've never have been. Um, I always thought he was a bit overrated, and I think he plays only one. Well, I brought up one thing, Eck. The play. The one thing, because everybody is writing like James Neal is going to have this great resurgence. He's He's been going down a little bit every year. He did have a nice year with Vegas, but everybody had a nice year in Vegas. Like, that was a magical year. But at the end of the day, James Neal, if his scoring isn't working, he's going to fall back on being a dirty player. That's what he does. Yeah, but he's he's going to get minutes and in top six minutes, and that's what it was happening in Calgary. Oh, you can't wasn't. give him top six minutes in Edmonton. Sure, he will. No, no way. That's a oh, disaster waiting to happen. That won't last. That's I mean, that's what that's what they did in that's what they did in Vegas, and it worked fine for them. That is unsustainable. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think it worked pretty. I don't know. We'll see. But I think I think he gets top six minutes. I think. I mean, that might, that that very well may be the plan. That plan will change if he plays like he did last year. At my, no, he last year, but he played last year again. There's a chicken or egg thing going on here. You know, last year he was he was playing and not getting a lot of minutes, and he wasn't scoring. So, well, we have to talk about if, if you want to talk about the failing of James Neal. I revert yeah. back to like to like Yager. If if you think that James Neal was going to be able to play with Goudreau and Monahan, you were crazy. Like that was crazy out of the right. game. 
to think that that was ever going to work because those guys play like it's a track meet. Yeah. There was no way James Neal was ever going to be able to keep up with no. him. He couldn't. And then all of a sudden, he had no place on the team. And then all of a sudden, you know, you trade him. Yeah, it fell apart quickly. I mean, yeah. yeah I I, it fell apart, like, in the early part of the season, like, maybe the first month. Yeah, it did. It really, it really did. And it never got going. I mean, and that's, and James Neal's career, when you look at a lot of his seasons have been that way. They've either been like very good or very, very terrible. Um, and he's, and, and that trade, that trade, that, that Lucic for Neal deal, that is the exhibit A, the prototype of the crap for crap deal. It is, you know, the, the Lucic was never going to do anything in Edmonton. Neal was never going to do anything in Calgary. They get fresh starts. And it's strange it, it was made between those two teams though. Yes. Well, I will. I know that is that is a strange situation. But but Eck, I will tell you this. I I did divulge to Mike, but you don't know this. I did a show with somebody that was in the Edmonton organization. Like I did it like three months ago, and off air was told that that was their number one thing to try and move Lucic. And so yeah. Ken Holland did that. The fact that he did that yeah. is a big feather in his cap. Oh, yeah. it's an enormous feather, and so is Tippett. Actually, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, those two things. Those two things are are huge, are huge advantages. They'll give them more. They'll have they'll have a system like they haven't had before. They'll play a system solid defensively. Um, they will. They'll be a lot better defensively. They still have a lot of work to do, obviously, but they have two of the top players in the league, so that'll help them. Um, but if if you want, if you anybody wants to bet me that that Ed, that Edmonton finishes below Arizona in the standings, I would love to take that bet because that's like to me that. I, and I think Arizona is going to be good, but I just think that I, that's like I won't go down that road. I just know I just know for a fact that Edmonton's going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know that for a fact. I mean, that, only, that one I'll bet some cookies on. So I know they didn't miss by much last year. So I, to me, that's I don't know, and they were terrible last year. So if they get anything going at all this year, they're going to be terrible this year. No, I mean they they were we were they were epically terrible last year, and yeah. I think that. I mean, they need to just get a half of their team to play like they did the year before, and they're in the playoffs. Um, so if they can get anybody to put in anything, uh -oh. they'll be a lot better. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I think the West is. I think the West is going to be changing a lot. I think Nashville's in trouble. Actually, I think Nashville's in trouble. No, um, yeah. in trouble. So let me let me ask the question again. So do you? I mean, I I, th I think that predicting who is going to finish last in the Central. Is the is the more difficult question because I think all these teams, except the one I think will finish in last, got better in that in that division, and I think Minnesota is going to finish in last in that division. Yeah, I'm not ready to go there yet. I, I want to go back to no. Randy brought up a good point that we yeah. haven't brought up a lot on the show. Uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk is asking for eight million, and his contract. I didn't realize it is the, he is an RFA. Like it's no, it's a big he's one deal. of those logjam. He is. That we haven't really talked about. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, he, I've written about him a little bit, and it's it's a real problem. I mean, it's a serious problem for them. He's he's asking for more than Monahan and Goudreau are getting. Now that's the nature of the business because they signed those right. deals a couple years ago. But right. I mean, he did score, I think, thirty four goals last he year. He had seventy seven points. Yeah, I mean, that's that's nothing to sneeze at when when a when a twenty nine point forward is getting two million bucks. Somebody scores seventy seven. They're going to ask for eight. Yeah, but now, because of that, if let's say they pay something close to eight, they're going to be in cap trouble. They are going to have to trade somebody because they only have they only have 
in cap space. And you find somebody to take Michael Stone or trade Brody or trade Hamannick, you know, one of those defensemen. They've got a lot of young defensemen coming up, Anderson. Uh, yeah, that's probably what they're going to have to do. I don't think they're going to trade Hamannick, but maybe Stone, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, they're going to have to do it. I don't know. I mean, I, I think Minnesota is probably the team, but uh, it's a, it's a real, you know, they have some young players that they're really, from what I've been told, I don't know enough about the prospects in Minnesota, but I've been told that they're, they could be better than you think. Well, well I, mean, I think they are better than you think, because what if in a year Kaprizov comes over? Right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, apparently now I want to say this, apparently some people who put out, those prospect lists of saying that guys who aren't in the NA, you know, actually prospects just period in the NHL and they come out with a listing. Mike, what was Caprizov at? Like 11? 11, yeah. 11. The guy scores 30 goals every year in the KHL. You have to be higher than 11. That's a bigger impact than most players will have. He'll have a Radulov kind of impact when he comes into the NHL. And yeah. so if that, if that happens next year, if they get lucky and that happens, that changes their complete outlook because – that's everything. He'll come in on an entry yeah. level. All yeah, it takes a lot of pressure off of the other guys too, which is really yeah. what they need. They really need. They really need some. They've got some guys on there that are being depended on to be the guy, and they would be much better if they were the second line. Guy. Yeah, I think. I think again. I think Donato, if he gets good power play time, will put in points. Luke Cunning has been sort of injury ridden the first couple of years, but I think he could really produce for them if he's not hurt. Greenway, Erickson, Eck. They've got a lot of young. Erickson, Eck has been a little underwhelming. I'll admit that. I, I'm surprised at his slow progress, but maybe now with Granlin moved out of there, that'll help him. And Greenway, I think, was going to be just a little better than what you see now, which is fine. I don't think, you know, I didn't think Jordan Greenway was ever going to be like a big-time producer, but he could produce a little more. So they do have that going for them. Yeah. And they yeah. still have some defensemen, defensive prospects that are good that are just aren't ready. Yeah. That's true. That's a very good point. PK Subban is being introduced to the media in New Jersey as we speak right now. That's cool. um, that's you know what the best part of PK will be? When Ranger fans are filling up the rock, PK yeah. will, will definitely combat that in the game. Yeah. On the I imagine pregame, they'll have something taped. Like he will troll them hard. He'll get booed like Denny Potvin at, at MSG. Oh, absolutely. He will he will get a bigger reaction than any devil has gotten for a very long time at MSG, which is great. And Lindsey Vaughn better not show up. <laughs> I really like back to the Scott Stevens days. Because it's oh. the no, Probably I, the Scott Stevens days, right? I mean, I, I think I think it'll be fun to watch PK um, in the city too, in and around the city. Yeah. The, the, the thing that the thing that you included in your blog today. Yep. The, the uh, yeah. Player born on your birthday against the goal. That was fun. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, I like now the thing is, if you if you take it literally, the best player who was born on my birthday is Scott Stevens. Is Scott Stevens. Oh, I've got that beat. Now I would not. I, I would not. But he. But, uh, but you got to. You got to. You got to. He's got. You got to put him on a break on a, on a shootout. So is that your guy? One one of the other guys on my birthday is UC Jokinen, who was the best. <laughs> the best. That's in shootout. So good shootout guy. That's interesting. I would choose UC Okanen over, and and he'd he'd go against Grant Fuhrer because Grant Fuhrer won in, in eighty five. In the Grant area, okay, yeah, because mine was the best offensive player on my birthday is John Rattel, so I'll take him every okay. time. And who did he? Um, what year did you graduate, in Russ? High school, eighty one. So that's 81. Smith. 
that's Billy Smith. Yeah. So that's that would perfect be because I hated Billy Smith, but I'll take him in the shootout. It's fine. My big thing is I've got three, three really good players born on my birthday. Um, Claude Giroux, who I think is who I is what guy I would go with, I think. But Marion Host is also born on my birthday, so that's like a tough one. Oh, I think I might go Hosa. Who's the Who's the third? On uh, the other and third one is Tim Horton, who's a great player, but obviously uh, not. I mean, Giroux stinks in the shootout. Let's start there. Yeah, Hosa yeah. and what and uh, what year high school? And I and I would be eighty six. So that was that's going against Patrick Wah in the. Uh, oh. oh. As a rookie, the rookie Patrick Wah. Um, See, I said, I, I said, I said, Scott Stevens will take the breakaway, and in the middle of the breakaway, he'll he'll clean Gretzky's clock. So, <laughs> my favorite thing was the guys who said they graduated in two thousand and five when they were shooting at an empty net, which I loved. I thought that was awesome. Actually, Hosa was pretty good in the shootout. You'd rather have him than Giroux. Probably should be going with Hosa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, there's a there's Giroux. A I, I got to be honest. Giroud does the shootout like three or four times a year, and he just wants to get it over with. He doesn't. He doesn't use the same moves on the shootout that he does in the game. It's almost yeah. Like he's a better breakaway guy in the games. I know. Right. He's almost like he's afraid to fail in the shootout, so he just does something that's pretty robotic. And I never understood that there were just some yeah. guys like Yarmo Yager was completely uncomfortable in the shootout. Never. Gretzky, right? Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky was never comfortable in that situation. Remember? He that's like, true. He never had. He was. He was always. He was deadly, and even in, even in breakaways and games, Gretzky was not. Actually, who was the coach that didn't use Gretzky? Mark Crawford. Right. Yeah. The genius Mark Crawford. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's uh, that that's interesting. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. I guess Mary Host is probably the guy I should have gone with, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's it's a. You think that's Patrick Wah? Like you may you may be screwed either way. Uh, yeah, the rookie Patrick Wah. You know, um, I mean, Giroux at, at his best. Uh, rookie Patrick Wah won a cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true with everyone because the way it works is the goalie. You're going against the goalie who won the cup the year of your. Uh, I think I got the best chance with the Rattel going over Billy Smith because if Billy Smith is going to take a hatchet to to Rattel, he's probably not going to hit him. But what Billy Smith's going to do is he's going to yeah. take his goalie stick halfway down and butt and butt end Rattel as he goes by, like he did to Lindy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the other funny one I like to the people who like graduated in 2010 and like they're going against Anti Niemi. <laughs> They like one guy's like my my birthday's uh, April twenty seventh, which I think is Wayne Gretzky's birthday, and I was graduating in two thousand and ten, so I'm going against Anton Yemi. I like my chances. I'm pretty good. I'm looking pretty good there. And I wish um, my birthday was like I don't know twenty thirteen, so I can go up against Anton Forsberg. Right, 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 right. Yeah, if, if you haven't graduated yet from high school, you can't do this game, I guess. But yeah, there you have it. Um, yeah, I, I like the. Uh, it was a fun. It's definitely a fun experiment. Really, really kind of cool. Kind of cool, fun little thing doing in the middle of summer. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Uh, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We'll be back again tomorrow. And thanks so much for supporting us on hockey on um, patreon.com slash hockey. And all of you guys, a lot of you guys are saying out, you want to just keep doing five shows a week. I think that's probably what we're going to do, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes here. But um, we're going to do our best. So, guys, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.